is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Quick reminder about the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, so go to their website. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, lots of stuff going on in European football at the moment, among other things. So uh, cricket as well. So no matter what your taste is, you'll find something there for you, including, of course, this show. Now, apologies in advance for last week. We did have a guest lined up and we uh, had two issues at the one time. So the guest was unable to fill the original time slot. And then we also had some equipment failure, so it all just became too hard. So we weren't able to run a divisional review championship preview show, uh, but all those issues have been addressed now. So uh, as we go into the uh, trade period post-Super Bowl, uh, we should be able to get you one or two shows a week. It'll depend a bit on where and when the news breaks as well, but that should be uh, should be manageable. And don't forget, as always, uh, if you want to come on the show, uh, we do get lots of inquiries about that. It's just more a matter of scheduling. But if you do want to come on the show, drop us a note and we'd love to get you on. Uh, the Again, the email and the uh, contact details on Twitter and Instagram in the show notes. Now, this week's guest is Brett Collett. He's coming to us live from New York City, as it happens, where he lives now. Uh, he's going to talk us through how the championship round played out to his eyes, a couple of the other issues coming out of it. Uh, big news on the retirement and coaching front, as well as a quick look ahead to the Super Bowl and a bit of Chicago Bears banter, which is his team. Let's go off and chat with Brett. All right. Welcome to the latest episode of Pacific Down and Distance. This is going to be our championship game review, NFL banter, and then a quick Super Bowl prediction. Today's guest, Brett Collett, coming all the way from New York City, but you will notice an Aussie twang here as well. Brett, how are you going? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, uh, John. It's uh, it's an exciting time of year in the NFL and uh, uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks. So tell us what it's like in America at this time of year. Obviously, where you are, it's going to be freezing, but it's peak football period, isn't it? Is it? What's 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 the mood like on the ground? Yeah, it kind of feels like we're the eye of the storm at the moment because we, we there's a week off between the, uh, the conference championship and the Super Bowl where there's the Pro Bowl, which no one cares about. It's... It's it's not like an all star game. It's it's they don't, they don't even have a pro a pro bowl game anymore. So it's it's all this week off where there's all this conjecture around almost the, all the other teams except the two competing teams. There's all this trade speculation and free agent speculation, um, you know, retirements and such. 
Um, and the talk doesn't really ramp up until next week about the two teams actually competing in the Super Bowl. So it's, it's kind of a weird time. Now, uh, we, yeah, we come uh, this week's show is immediately after the championship games. So uh, I've got a few questions for you on it, but just uh, if you go one by one uh, through the two of them, give you high-level thoughts on the two matches. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Philly-San Francisco game, the NFC Championship, was was uh, a bit of a clunker in the end. I think as soon as um, Brock Purdy got knocked out of the game and um, you know, poor, poor Josh, Josh Johnson had to go in and, um, and even he got concussed. So there was... There really wasn't much testing of the Eagles after that first quarter, and uh, I think the I, I thought the Eagles would progress anyway, but um, um, you know that was a that was a bit of a clunker in terms of a contest. But if you're the Eagles, um, everyone got through healthy pretty much, and um, probably the best team the NFC got through. Uh, so you have to feel a bit sorry for San Francisco, and they had such a hot streak going into the game. Um, probably the mo- most informed team of the NFC, and you get to the conference championship game and, and you lose your, your third string and fourth string quarterbacks. Um, there's not much you can do, is there? No, hundred percent, hundred percent. The second game was a lot closer though. That was a thriller. And, you know, I think Cincy and, 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 and Kansas city have developed a bit of a rivalry. Cincinnati have won the last three times. And there was a lot of talk going into the game about Arrowhead stadium being Burrowhead. Uh, for Joe Burrow, the quarterback who's knocked off Patrick Mahomes the last few times. And I, I get the sense that Kansas City took that really personally. And uh, look, it was a great game. I think it was 23-20 in the end. And it was settled by a field goal at the end. Um, uh, and uh, look, that was always going to be tight. The AFC is is so hard to get through when you have Kansas City and Cincinnati and Buffalo uh, all really at the at the peak of their powers. There's no easy road through. Um I think a lot of the talk was about Mahomes' ankle and that stood up um, and he made one really important run and it was happy to be the last run of the game um, to get them to the sideline and get that penalty, which gave them the field goal win. So, uh, look, clearly deserved that Kansas City got through, but uh, um, they, they've been, they're, they're, they're battle-tested. So I think it's, it sets the stage for a really uh, good Super Bowl clash. Now, just looking at both games, I just want to pick your uh, brain on a couple of things. So uh, whether or not it's fair, refereeing has been a big talking point in, in, in the subsequent week. So in the first game, there was an issue with, uh, with the first Philly touchdown, which is before the injuries. And uh, mm. on a fourth and three, there was a, a ball that clearly uh, was a dropped catch, but you needed to get to the fourth or fifth different replay angle to even see it. And by then, yeah. Philly had already scored. And then in the second game, there was a, a down that was replayed, which uh, no one was clear on uh, later late in the match. I don't think that one did affect the result, but it made the refs look a bit ridiculous. And one or two other things that happened uh, in that game as well, including the 15-yard the penalty that ultimately brought the uh, Harrison Bucker within kicking range. Yeah. So how did you take all of that in? Yeah, look, <laughs> referees are human. Obviously, the NFL is a, is a sport that really relies heavily on replay. Coaches have coaches' challenges. I think Kyle Shanahan said after the game that the 49ers coach said that if he had seen the right replay angle, he would have thrown the challenge flag and it would have been overturned and you know that would have saved them a, a touchdown. But I think really clever by Devonta Smith, who, who took that catch, he knew as soon as he got up, he was signaling, like, let's hurry up, let's get to the line because, you know, as soon as Philadelphia snaps that ball, they can't do anything about it. And so, um, you know, there was, a bit of, there was a really good awareness. I, I kind of like that about the game. I don't think you need to stop every 
Look, NFL is slow enough as it is sometimes. You don't want to stop the game for two minutes after every play to, to check the replay unless the other coach throws the flag. So I think that was fine. Um, you know, Cincinnati, you know, have have a right to feel a bit aggrieved. But, you know, the play that you're talking about um, where the referee came on late and broke up the play, where um, which would have turned over the ball, um, didn't really affect the result. Cincinnati got the ball back anyway, couldn't score, went back the other, down the other way and, and, um, and Kansas City did. So, you know, there's... I don't think the ref. Look, I was I was I was backing Cincinnati, so I wanted Cincinnati to win as much as anyone. But um, uh, I, I don't think Cincinnati, you know, the referees, cost Cincinnati the game. Um, I do feel really heartbroken for Joseph Osai, the the uh, the young uh, the young defender who who uh, got penalised for pushing the homes. It was a clear it was a clear penalty. I'm a Texas Longhorn. He's a Texas Longhorn. I feel I feel uh, I feel really sorry for him. He's a He's a really good kid. He's a real strong leader, and I, I think he'll bounce back from that. But uh, um, I, I don't think there was any. Um, I don't think it cost him the game in terms of the refereeing decisions. I think everything that happened was was a just result. So I've got a couple of very deliberate segues we're going to get into from here. So we'll start with the broadcast coverage of those uh, those two games firstly. So some of the conjecture uh, mm-hmm. has been about why do we have experts in the booth who are referees um so i'll get your thoughts on that whether they were on point on on that game and then uh we've got some more uh broadcast related banter yeah nfl is a very technical sport a bit like rugby union if you yeah there's a lot of technical rules that could need some explanation and often broadcasters don't know and even some of those obscure rules that players might not be familiar with it's you'd be a bit weird in that regard so having those Referees, uh, you know, they're not really necessarily offering opinion. They're often offering technical knowledge of what's happening. And so um, I find it really good. Dean Blandino and, uh, and Mike Pereira, they're sort of household names as much as Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman are here. Um, they're really important. And um, so I think that's why, the, from a broadcasting point of view, it's really valuable because there are so many, you know, every play in the NFL matters. Uh, every you know, it's it's it is really a there aren't that many plays, so getting it right or wrong can make a huge difference. Um, and so, um, you know, having having that that there in the replays, you know, in regards to like the, the 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 first game, Fox not having a replay available for the right angle that showed him Smith dropping the ball is isn't really on Fox. You know, they had to hunt around for that angle, like four or five angles, and so. Um, I, you know, I don't think you can blame the broadcast for that. Uh, um, I, I think you know, Fox do a fantastic job in the, on the broadcast and um, having having uh, referees there is really important. So for mine, there's no way the first angle, like in, in real time, that Smith catch, there's no way anyone could have thought that had been dropped other than the way he was like, let's get on with this quickly. So Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. If I was Cole Sanderhead, I would have been looking at Devonta Smith going, well, hang on, why is he moving to the line so quickly? Um, but it's, uh, um, yeah, it's all part of the gamesmanship and, um, and it's high-pressure situations. Those challenge flags are really valuable. Once you use it, that's it. And so do you want to use it in the second second drive of the first quarter? Probably not. So I've got flashbacks of a game earlier in the season, and it may well have been a Bears game. I can't recall where a player took a ball on the sideline and then rushed to um, 
to get in, yeah, to get the game restarted. And the commentators were like, oh, he clearly hasn't caught this because why, why would he be so vigorous about it? And then it turned out it was a very clean catch. So I think it was gamesmanship there too. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So the next part of this is, I just want to get your view. So the AFC Championship was covered by CBS, whose broadcast team is Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And the NFC game was covered by Fox, who's Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, who's a former tight end. So just with the CBS game first, the AFC, uh, a lot of criticism online about Tony Romo's performance in that match and just generally that he's not the same guy he was sort of three or four years ago. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And then the conversation with Fox is a bit different. They're obviously hosting the Super Bowl as well. Uh, now, Greg Olson, mm. and you know what topic's coming next, but um, Greg Olson is their analyst and uh, he's in the number one chair at the moment. Um, yeah, how do you think th- those two guys are going? Because they obviously weren't the number one team last year. They uh, they, they stepped up when uh, when the lead team went to ESPN. Yeah, I mean, CBS is really interesting. I think Tony, Tony Romo signed, you know, he sort of really triggered the, the $10 million deals for the analysts coming through and you know, he was he when he first came through, he was really a breath of fresh air. He was you know predicting plays that were about to happen and really popular. I do think in the last year or so, he's uh, the general criticism of him has been that he's doing less analysis and more you know big play here, Jim. Like you've got to get a got to get a first down here, or he's 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 trying to like, his enthusiasm is almost compensating for lack of analysis. And when you have someone like Greg Olsen coming through as an one person at Fox for now, um, and he's really taken the mantle on that analysis. And Chris Collinsworth, who's obviously been at NBC for as long as I've followed the game, um, even though he's been there for a long time, he's still quite heavy on the analysis. Um, and so um, it's really interesting to see that you know, in wrestling terms, Romo's turned a bit of a heel. He came as a as a baby face, and he's turned a bit of a heel as the crowd's turning on him. And uh, whether he adjusts or not, I don't know. He he um, look, he's he's a likable guy, and he's he does have that enthusiasm. But I do think NFL uh, watchers here are probably a bit more um, analytically minded um, uh, these days, even if compared to you know, five years ago. They know more about what's going on uh, in the gridiron. And I don't think he's rising to the occasion on that. Um, 
In terms of Greg Olsen and, and Kevin Burkhart, they've had a great first year. Olsen, it's really interesting having the perspective of, of a non-quarterback um, who has recently played the game. I think, you know, he's he's really good at explaining what quarterbacks doing, but what everyone else, their role, um, blockers uh, are doing as well. And um, obviously, I'm sure we're going to touch on Brady's retirement and, and the impact that might have on Fox's broadcast booth next year. Um, but he's he's clearly a, bon- a bona fide number one uh, analyst. And when I say number one, it might be worth explaining, like Fox Sports on a Sunday might cover three or four games and they have a, a one, two, three, four team and, and that number one team is is, is the pinnacle. And, uh, um, you know, he's he's been fantastic. And uh, I think he's... Um, whether it's at Fox or, or elsewhere in the near future, I don't think he'll he'll be out of a number one job for long if Tom Brady takes his seat. Yeah, so just before we get there, um, for mine, I agree with you. Um, I love Burkhard and Olsen, actually. I really liked the team that, that they replaced, so I didn't I didn't know how I'd feel, but I really enjoyed them. Uh, but you mentioned Chris Collinsworth in there. Now, we won't hear from MVC again this season because they're done, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday Night Football, like, uh, you know, um, he just remind. I, I just love him. He he reminds me so much of my Uncle Ken, who's a big fan of the show, uh, who um, just the way, yeah, his tone and intonation, but the way he explains the game, I, yeah, I, I know that he's obviously he's been around a while, whereas a lot of the other analysts are recently retired players. Uh, and obviously he was paired with Al Michaels for a long time and he, um, he mm. also had been around a while, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think nothing beats, beats those NBC guys, but I'm, I'm really enjoying, uh, Fox and you mentioned Fox, you mentioned Tom Brady. So Tom Brady's now finally retired. We think he did retire a year ago and unretire, but he's now finally retired. Probably. <laughs> so t- tell us your immediate yeah. reaction to his retirement and then we'll get into his, uh, his, his role in the whole broadcast shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, he's always. I think he's clearly the greatest quarterback um, in our lifetime, probably ever. And uh, whether he regrets going around that one year too long or not is another thing. Um, um, given his, you know, his private life and and how the the Tampa Bay Bucks did or did, you know didn't play very well this year, um, whether he regrets that or not. But he's, I mean, he's forty. He's, he's forty six. You know, <laughs> it's it's a remarkable that he got this far and. And the grind that it must take to prepare himself every week, I can totally understand why he's not giving you another, another year. I think his retirement is convenient for Tampa Bay from a salary cap point of view. It's probably less convenient if you're a team like San Francisco or Las Vegas who who would be looking at him as a possible quarterback option. Um, he was clearly going to leave, either retire or leave Tampa Bay. Um, and uh, but his legacy is as strong as anyone who's ever played the game. You know, seven rings and uh, um, being able to do it not just in New England, but to go to Tampa Bay and do it while New England has kind of faltered since he's left. Um, you know, I, I don't personally like him. I'm the same, <laughs> man. He, I go for the Falcons, yeah, so I don't like him. But yeah, I yeah, understand where you're coming right. from. <laughs> but no, no denying he's he's the GOAT. And uh, um, you know, hopefully he can, uh, you know, whether he goes to the Fox booth straight away or, or not will be super interesting. He's It's been really interesting, I think, seeing him... Um, his persona relaxed since he left New England. He's a lot more. He's in a lot more ads and that kind of thing here in the US. Um, and he's embraced social media and he sort of tried to portray himself as a bit more not of an everyman, but um, a bit more profane, a bit more out there. Um, so he's clearly trying to relax his persona and how that translates to the broadcast booth if he goes there. It will be interesting as well. Now, yeah. So that's that's the big decision over the coming weeks. Is he is contracted to Fox for, at a 
a large amount of money for the next 10 years. Mm. He may, who knows what terms are in that contract. He may um, not actually, he may have an out clause, right? But uh, theoretically, he was always going to be the number one analyst. Uh, the problem that Fox would have there is that they've got a pretty damn good team already and they'd be uh, they'd be potentially disrupting that for someone that's untested. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Now, before we, uh, we, we, we will get a prediction and I'm going to ask you a question about your own team uh, as well. But before we yeah. do that, just a quick comment on the two coaching changes or head coaching changes this week and the coaching landscape in general. Yeah, Denver went and got um, Super Bowl winning uh, coach from formerly of New Orleans, Sean Payton. And, um, look, Denver's in a really bad spot. They've got a quarterback they're paying a lot of money for who is not very good anymore, and they can't get rid of him for another year or two. And so, um, but but Sean Payton is someone who can walk into that building, command respect. Uh, Russell Wilson won't be running an offense anymore. He won't be calling the plays anymore. It'll be Sean Payton, and I think. Whether Russell Wilson's the quarterback in two years or not, it's kind of moot now. Um, uh, Sean Payton's going to be there for more than a few years. His job's not going to be in doubt. And so, um, you know, if Russell Wilson doesn't want to play ball, uh, he'll go somewhere else and get someone else in. Uh, he, he won't care as much as you know, poor Nathaniel Hackett had to. So I think it's the best possible hire. Um, I think they did it in a shambolic way. There was all this talk about them trying to get someone else on the same day and got flying off to see Jim Harbour at Michigan a couple of days before. Just real chaotic sort of vibes coming out of Denver. But uh, sometimes the end justifies the means and they've got the, they've got the best coach that was on the market. Um, and I think Houston's done really well. Houston Houston's picked up Demico uh, Ryan, who was um, the defensive coordinator at San Francisco. All the the references and, and, and the talk is he was, he was really sought after by all the, the teams that were after a a new coach, and um, he might have gone to the blankest slate of all, and so he can really leave an imprint there. He's he's going to get have at least a top two draft pick to get a quarterback. Um, he can really build uh, with a lot of free agency money and, and draft capital from Deshaun Watson as well from that trade. So um, you know he, if if the ownership there has more patience with him than they had the last two coaches, um, he could really be in a, a good spot. Excellent. Now you are a Bears man, so they unfortunately yes <laughs> they ended up with the number one draft pick, which is normally um, normally the sign of a really bad season. They only ended up in that position on the last day of the season, um, so they weren't necessarily the worst team in football in a you know in a um, standings sense until the last day. So they avoided that kind of label for most of the year, and from my observation. At about week six, there was lots of people doubting whether Justin Fields would ever even finish the season as the number one quarterback. Within about six weeks, he'd totally buried all of that with a bunch of spectacular performances, including one at, at New England on, uh, I think, Monday Night Football. But there was some other stuff in some of yeah. those Sunday games that was great as well. So how, how are you feeling as a Bears man, um, given that you've obviously got uh, the roster looking like it's um, set up to, to make some, some acquisitions via draft and and uh, free agency and trade and whatnot. And how are you feeling about uh, your man and number at your at QB one? I'm not wearing my Justin Field jersey. I've got it in the drawer over there. But so in that regard, I'm glad he's he finally started balling out because I was worried I, I dropped a hundred dollars on a jersey yeah. I couldn't wear beyond this season. But um, look, I think going into the season, I, I don't think any Bears fan thought we were going to be much good. 
it was really all about is you know finding it out, out is Justin Fields the guy, and I think he showed enough, and clearly Chicago thinks he's he's showed enough. Uh, um, and I think part of that was him developing, but I sort of think it was the um, the offensive coordinator Luke gets really looking at what Justin Fields can and can't do, and building a game plan around Justin Fields. I think that that really um, made the difference, and it started at, at, at Foxborough at New England in that game, and and went on from there. Even though we didn't really win any more games after that, the development he showed, we traded away our best defensive players, um, you know, for for for, for picks and. Um, you know, our defense was really terrible that second half of the of the season, and um, we weren't giving him much support. Obviously, we didn't we didn't have any real top tier receivers. Our you know, offensive line is is young and still learning, and so um, he didn't really have much support around him. But he still he still showed enough to be uh, the franchise quarterback for the near future, at least. And I think it's a unique situation Chicago is in having the number one pick. And there are some really good defensive players in this draft, Jalen Carter and out of Georgia and Will Anderson out of Alabama in particular, who are clearly top five picks. Um, it's a matter of will Chicago hold on to the number one and pick and take the best one? Will they try and sell it off to the highest bidder, whether that be Houston at number two or Indianapolis at number four or, or Vegas or Carolina? There's plenty of people in the top 10 who would love to have the number one pick and have their choice of those quarterbacks. And, I'm probably a pragmatist. I'm I'm a sell it off and and try and get as much talent in as possible. So um, I'd be pretty surprised if Chicago ends up using their number one pick. I think it's more likely they drop down to number four for Indianapolis, where they can um, get some another first round pick later on, but also still get one of those top two defensive guys. I think that's probably the the best sort of measure. I hope it's, you, uh, it's been an interesting season. Yeah, I hope for your sake they do that because. Uh... Because I don't feel like they were the worst team in football last year, so I don't feel like they're a true number one draft pick team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. I think that's right. And, you know, it's always that thing where you where you don't want them to lose every week, but there was there were some honourable losses there, and so uh, um, uh, I'm I don't, I don't I don't think there's much pressure on the coaching staff to deliver a playoff team next year either. I think they're going to have patience and time. I think that after next season, the, the, the pressure starts to build up because you'll have the infusion of talent. Chicago also has the most cap space of every, te- of, of every team in the NFL. So they can really take their pick on the free agent market and, uh, uh, and hopefully uh, uh, surround uh, fields and, and build up that defense a bit more as well through the free agency market. And they may have a uh, different looking quarter- quarterback landscape in their division next year too. So they, uh, things might look up for the, uh, for That's the, Bears. True. all right, Brad, well, I'll uh, get you to take us out with your, uh, your thoughts on what the Super Bowl uh, will look like and who, who's going to win. Yeah, look, it's going to be a real tough matchup. Uh, Kansas city have been there and done that. You know, they've made five straight uh, AFC ch- uh, conference championships. So they're, uh, I think it's going to be the, uh, the third Super Bowl under my homes. And so, uh, with Mahomes under center, and so they they've been there and done that. They've obviously won one with Mahomes and and, and Reed. Philly wasn't that long ago that they were there either, with a different coach and a different quarterback. Um, and so it's uh, you know they they this isn't um, unusual for either franchise in, in recent years. I tend to think Philly's going to have enough about them to get get over the line. I think it'll be close. I think the, the the thing that works in Philly's favor is they really are a team for all seasons. They can run it. They can throw it. They can. They've got a really strong defense. They can, um, you know, 
really get to they could really get to Mahomes, particularly if Mahomes is still a bit proppy with that ankle. Um, so I tend to favor in, in a big game like that. I think I'm looking at which team is more adaptable and versatile and can adjust. They've got two weeks to prepare. I think the evidence is this season uh, that when Philadelphia has time to prepare and almost in a Bill Belichick way, they look at what the opponent can and can't do and they really target that weakness. And I think in Super Bowls that matters a lot. So uh, I think Philly, I think they probably win by um, a field goal. Uh, but uh, I think it'll be a great game. I, I think there's going to be a, a real contrast in styles and um, there'll be a, some real explosive plays that make the difference. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's hard to run off Mahomes, though. He's, totally. <laughs> he's, he's the best quarterback in the game. So uh, um, I think it'll be a real a real ripper of a, of a Super Bowl. I should have asked you, where do you think you'll be watching the match? What's the experience like for you? Uh, usually uh, I'd, I'd be uh, hosting a Super Bowl party or something. Uh, I have a, a five-month-old baby, so it's a bit harder these yeah. days. But... Uh, um, it usually falls around my birthday as well, so I often have a, a bit of a party, but uh, um, I'll probably be watching it at home, to be honest. Nah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair I'll probably enough. make some uh, some queso dip and some uh, some, uh, some buffalo wings and uh, pretend I'm at a bar, but it's, uh, yeah. And I should call out, by the time most of you listen to this, it will actually be Brett's birthday. Uh, I was tipped off that it's uh, Saturday, so uh, happy birthday for everyone from all the listeners, Brett. You've been a star. Thanks so much for doing Thank this um, at reasonably short notice and dialing in uh, at night time over in NYC. I know you're you're happy to come back on, so as we uh, get get a bit of momentum in the trade period, I'd love to chat to you again. But thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed your insights. Yeah, I appreciate it, John. Anytime. Podcast Network.